time, launches it to the end zone. Touchdown, Terrence Williams. Whoa, goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. Oh, he played. Oh, he's going to hurt the up the right sideline. He's got to go. He's tackled. Sam Houston wins it. The Bearcats capture their first FCS championship. Today's episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. Welcome, everyone, to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Shahan J. Roger, the college football insider at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find all our work at TexasFootball.com. You can find us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find us on Twitter at DCTFCFB. Become a subscriber at TexasFootball.com slash subscribe. Well, I apologize if my voice sounds a little more grating than usual. Ishmael Johnson, Mallory Hartley, we had quite a week. Yeah, a lot of yeah, airborne, a lot of lozenges. <laughs> <laughs> we sure did, man. For, for people who don't know, we were down at Texas High School Coaches Association Coaching School, always one of the most fun events that we do. Uh, got to spend a lot of quality time together at our yeah, booth and, uh, you know, some extracurriculars. And, and to, uh, g- to give it more perspective, it was a 20 by 20 booth yeah. so we were literally right next to each other the entire yeah. four days that we were there yeah yeah it's 20 by 20 and how many people we had like 13 people Roughly, yes like, con- like uh, consistently in and out yeah yes. about 13 yeah. yeah every single one of us was there yes so or were there yes yes and so I you know I came out we I it's a great opportunity for me because there are so many coaches coming around and so I got I, I left for a little bit to go do that but it's just like like you said 20 by 20 for three straight days man it is it's cramped (laughs) it's a grind it's a real grind but it's a lot of fun I mean it's again it's one of the most fun events that we get to do every year again uh hopefully by next week uh we'll we'll be back to a hundred percent you know but uh but not today so Listen, this is uh, this is uh, th- this is us trying our best, okay? So so nobody can can Cut get us mad at us. Cut us a little bit of slack, please. Cut us a little slack. <laughs> anyway, um, so yesterday, I went to Chick Fil A. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I saw the Giannis video and was yeah, like, of course. "This this has me in the mood for Chick Fil A." So I went. I, I got a sandwich. I'm not as much of a Nuggets guy. I, I was a sandwich guy. I got the uh, the half Sprite, half lemonade because. Did no. you get no ice? Because I, I did not get no ice. That's I thought that was a little odd, but <sighs> well, hey, I mean, do your thing, man. You just won <laughs> the well, NBA well, finals. You, you can get you, no ice. You get, I, I get it. You get the more drink. That's right. the right. idea behind it. And, and it's it's cold coming out of the thing, but I still think that I need ice. So I, I want to get the ice. Uh, I come back. I see a tweet that's like, huh, well, I wonder where Texas Tech would go. I'm like, huh? And uh, Brent Zwerneman set my world on fire (laughs) for people who don't know for people who uh are not familiar with uh the internet maybe so on aol uh so the university of texas the university of oklahoma two teams that you might have heard of from the big 12 conference uh have apparently approached the southeastern conference about potentially becoming member institutions yeah ish (laughs) wow what um yeah, uh, conference realignment's about to set <laughs> off again, apparently. Um, so, I mean, initial reaction's like, wait, there's like a catch or something. Like, like I thought it was like, you know, but, you know, because Brent is a reliable source. So, yes, like, seeing yes. him say that was like, uh, is there some, like, is there something I'm missing, right? right? Was he, is it just as blanket as that? Like, mm-hmm. oh, they're looking to jump, you yeah. know, and they're, they're, they're kind of uh, uh, pitching themselves. Or was it like, uh, they're kind of in the preliminary talks and blah blah blah. And from the looks of it, no, they're looking to like pitch like as like mm-hmm. as soon as technically possible. Yeah, they were looking to for the SEC to vote them in, and this set off, of course, the the firestorm of well, what happens to the Big Twelve? What is the motivation for both of these programs jumping? What is the motivation for uh, which SEC schools will vote yes or no? Because I believe you just need a simple majority. Uh, you need actually a, a three quarters, three quarters majority. So, so, so you need so eleven, we, right? Right. So you'll so there's like okay, well, what are the school? Who are the schools that will say no? Um, right, uh, <laughs> Arkansas, um, Missouri. <laughs> so and then also like okay, well, if it does happen, then obviously people are talking about what happens to the Big Twelve. Do they yeah. go? Do they try to form a super? Do they sure. get ahead of the 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 pack and we can get in all of that? But yeah. it just sent in the natural again a discussion we haven't had in about ten years, right? Which is the last yeah. major realignment. Um, it set off what happens now. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
I, I thought that I was the luckiest man in the world because I started doing this job after realignment ended mm. last time. And mm. I'm like, thank goodness, don't have to deal with this. <laughs> and uh, here we go. And here we so go again. <laughs> here, here we go again. And so <clears throat> there's been a lot more reporting uh, again. Brent Zorneman is an ironclad source, right? right? Over at the Houston Chronicle. The other thing, too, he didn't just put out a tweet. Like, he wrote a story on right, it. Right, it was a story on it's, it, yes. And they have vetting standards. He said that it was primarily from one source. But, like, if it's if it's one source and, and Brent Zorneman's running with it, mm-hmm. it is a source, yeah. right? Like, it is a source source, right? Mm-hmm. And so what he said on uh, SEC Network, I believe it was on Feinbaum, he said that basically this person wanted it out. Yeah. And so, you know, we, we can certainly go into the inside baseball, like, oh, I wonder what party that person might have been from, who it might, you know, that sort of thing. But, like, w- at the end of the day, I, I do think that a big part of this is, you know, Zorneman's the A&M beat writer. You have to wonder, right, if it's somebody who wanted this chaos, mm-hmm. right, wanted this headache, wanted to kind of – put a damper on these conversations, right? Because I, so, so, you know, a couple months ago, the Big 12 had conversations, and I believe it was the uh, tech president, Lawrence Shonovich, uh, told the Lubbock Avalanche Journal that, hey, look, we tried to go renegotiate our contracts to try to extend them, basically, with the TV networks. But, you know, because other 18s, I'm sure, you know, they want to keep this, this train running, sure, right? Sure, and, uh, and the TV networks basically said, no, we, we have to wait and see. And I think more than anything, what that told me was that Texas and Oklahoma are looking at their options. They're trying to figure out when we get to 25, because for people who don't know, the Big 12 has a grant of rights through 2025. Mm -hmm. So it's possible for them to leave before that. But one, either they'd have to be let out of that, Mm -hmm. which is highly unlikely. Or two, they'd have to pay fines equivalent to the money they would have gotten for the duration of the contract. Mm -hmm. So what that means is that most likely, if it, let's say they leave in 23 and miss two years on this, right? They would have had to pay about $70 million mm-hmm. just to leave in, in addition to not getting the money as well. Right. So that's not really feasible, mm-hmm. right? So, so, I mean, something's going to have to happen. Uh, now, again, this also coming out, let's say just for, for argument's sake, right? Let's say it was a Texas side source, right? Mm-hmm. Well, they might be kind of saying like, okay, we're going to light this match you know set everything on fire so that the other eight teams start looking around so they'll let us out early you know it's kind of again it's a little inside baseball for for us on the reporting side but i do think that it is interesting to kind of try to figure out where this is coming from and so you know one thing that uh, that brian davis actually just reported within the last hour and listen we're recording this at 231 on thursday more will come out more will come out our this podcast i'm sure at some point will be old news but you know, we can only do what we can do. Right. And so um, so Brian Davis over at the Statesman reported, the Big 12 has asked its members to sign a five-year extension of TV rights through 2030. Texas doesn't want to extend that long, <laughs> thus looking at all options, including jumping to the SEC. As reported elsewhere, can confirm that Texas will likely send a letter to the Big 12 of not wanting to extend its TV rights to the Big 12. So I think at the very least, like, what this um, – what th- at the very least, regardless of who le- or whoever leaked this – they wanted to accelerate yes. whatever was happening, Everything. right? Mm-hmm. Whether this was going to squash the rumors, whether this was going to happen, because I believe in the article it actually says we'll know within like a, a, couple, weeks, a couple weeks, right? Like whether whatever happens, and you're kind of seeing that accelerate, right? right? You're seeing this from Brian Davis, your uh, SEC media days were right. going on, and so like you're asked, you're getting questions from the commissioner, you're getting questions to to Jimbo, you're getting que- like everybody's now having to answer this question. By the way, perfect timing, in the yeah. middle of SEC media days <laughs> mm-hmm. to be like, by the way, what's up? Minutes before. Jimbo went up. Yes. Minutes. And so uh, it was obviously trying to, whatever the result is, this was meant to speed this up. Right. Get rid of, I don't want to say get rid of leverage because, you know, it depends on what source it has. Yeah. But just bring it out from under the table, basically. Right. Right. And so here's one thing that I'll say. There are, for a number of reasons, many reasons that this is not something firm as yet. Right. Mm-hmm. This is this is just the start of the conversation. And I think that for teams that are in the SEC, listen, certainly you have to think of the money, right? If you're right. South Carolina, especially if you're on the eastern side of that conference where you're probably not going to be put in a, in a division or conference or pod or whatever with these teams, you probably don't care, right? You're just like, mm-hmm. oh, $10 million more, whatever it could be, right? That's cool. You know, we'll get paid $10 million more to lose to Georgia anyway, yeah. right? <laughs> right? You know, exactly. like, cool. Well, I think that the one thing is, right, okay, one of the, the pod setups that came out, right, was, was like, 
potentially having <laughs> the former Big 12 teams <laughs> almost in, in a pod. Yeah, exactly. You know, where, where you have, uh, you know, Texas, Oklahoma, Texas A&M, and then maybe, well, Arkansas, former Southwest Conference rival into it, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, if you're Arkansas, oh, brother, you hate that. There's yeah. there's one, like, we, we can talk about, it, you know, which schools are winners and losers in this yeah. scenario. Arkansas is the clear loser. <laughs> The clear loser because, you know, you can mention, you can talk about A&M too, how they benefited from the SEC, but regardless, they have money, right? They'll have some staying power regardless of whether or not they're unique, you know, uh, their unique benefiting from being in the SEC is ruined now or would be ruined. Arkansas gets nothing out of this. <laughs> Arkansas loses its, uh, it's kind of its, it's one of its uh, ties to the region by being the SEC. Uh, I believe it's them and and are the only two Western uh, programs in the in the in that conference. Um, they lose their foothold in whatever talents in Arkansas. Basically, yeah, they lose their talent. They lose their footing in East Texas, whatever footing they had, right. Louisiana, because now it's Oklahoma and Texas coming in. And they're already struggling to deal with that right now anyway. <laughs> like, they're right. already they, – they've already, you know, outside of that Ryan Mallett or, I guess, uh, uh, Brandon Wilson. I'm trying to I'm – trying to, who was the quarterback after Ryan Mallett? That's it was the question. last Petrino <laughs> quarterback, basically. But you get what I'm saying? Yeah. It's been that long yeah. to where it's like, oh, why is Arkansas only winning four to six uh, games a year? Well, and, and I'll tell you what. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of people sitting right now around the state of Arkansas like – Man, that's so weird that starting in 2012, we were bad. Yeah. Huh. I wonder who came into the SEC. I wonder what changed in the year 2012. <laughs> yeah. Well, also also another team that I'm really curious, LSU. Mm-hmm. LSU recruits Texas very well. Yeah. And sure, they are a quote unquote, a blue blood program yeah. and like yeah. similar to A&M in the grand scheme They're not scheme falling down. Right, exactly. They're not going to collapse. They're, they'll be up there and they'll, be, they'll have rises, ups, and downs. But they're not going to be as they're, they're, as we've seen with LSU. They're prone to some hiccups. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like we've seen less miles down years. The current Ed Orgeron down years. Of course, when they hit their highs, they're up there with Bama. They're up there mm-hmm. with Clemson. But they're very much prone to if they have a recruiting class miss or anything, that it, 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 they'll stumble. And it, with these two programs in there, that's right in their recruiting backyard. Yeah. And and one last thing, and then and then maybe we'll move kind of to the Big Twelve side of things, is that Texas and Oklahoma. I know that money is certainly going to be at the center of all of this, right? Mm-hmm. I do think <clears throat> Texas and Oklahoma, I don't think are going to make that much more money if they move to the SEC. I don't sure. think that's what this is about. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they will make some more money, but they have a really great setup right now for them where, you know, you have all this money coming in from both ESPN and Fox, you know, get bo- games on both those networks. And they also have their own third tier rights, obviously mm-hmm. with Texas, the Longhorn network, which you'd have to imagine if they get folded into the SEC media deal might go away, right. which should go away but that's a whole other thing uh and then with oklahoma you know same deal they get some third tier broadcasting rights that are more local stuff right and so they do much better than the rest of the big 12 you know they're doing 10 or 15 million dollars better which puts them competitive with the big 10 and with the sec not necessarily right up there but you know competitive what i think this is especially for well well, let's start with oklahoma Mm -hmm. for oklahoma i think that they might be looking around and saying we are the kings of the Big 12. Everybody knows what we can do. We are the clear fourth playoff team every single year. But maybe because of perception and because of not being in the SEC, those sort of top-end recruits don't look at us, especially on the defensive side of the ball, as being a place where we can develop into NFL players Mm -hmm. because we don't play in that conference, right? Now, that's a whole other conversation, right? But I'm I'm curious if they kind of feel like, okay, well, maybe the last 5% comes Mm -hmm. when, you know, by moving to a conference where we can really turbocharge our recruiting. Because this is what they're already doing in in the Big 12, right? Uh, And then on the Texas side, right, this is kind of a rude way to say it, but I I don't know any better way to say it, right? They're chasing A&M's ghost, Mm -hmm. right? Over the course of the the history of football since World War II, since since the Nazis were beat, (laughs) Texas has never ever been worse than Texas A&M. Yeah. Right? Like, A&M had, like, their run in the 30s. Yeah. Right? But, like, since then, it's been Texas. And Texas hasn't always been great, but they've clearly been, year after year after year, a better program than Texas A&M. You know, the 90s, yeah, you know, A&M had a good run, all that sort of run, sure. Sure. But, like, once you hit 2012, Mm -hmm. everything's changed. Yes. Over the last nine years, Texas A&M has only finished with a worse record than Texas, playing in a tougher conference in the toughest division in football one time. 
And that was and they remember they called their shot with them, yeah. right? When they left, everybody's like, Oh, you're leaving right. Texas, you're leaving the Big Twelve, you're gonna go six and six every right. year. They called Anams called their shot and said, You know what? It'll be if we go eight wins, you know, seven wins, whatever, we're gonna be in a better position overall yeah. with recruiting, with player development to eventually get to where we're seeing them now, which is positioning them. Right, college football playoff team. Again, there's another last step for you to take in there to, to reach the, the upper, upper echelon. But they called their shot, and they're, Texas is seeing them benefit from that, right? They're seeing them rail, uh, rake in all these recruiting classes that are just like, you know, they'll have a quote-unquote down year, and they'll have a seventh-ranked recruiting right. class, right? And, yeah, I think that this is – like that, that's a good way to put it. It's them calling their shot. Also, for both, for both programs, it's – it's them bet, betting on stability. Yeah. Right. Because there was always this, it was always the doomsday scenario, right? The mm-hmm. super conference, they're going to take their money and go, and they're going to uh, take their ball and go home. Um, and we kind of saw the rumblings of it uh, during the last uh, conference realignment. And we all knew that the Big 12 was basically pieced together with shoestring and gum. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it was, oh, Texas didn't leave to the Pac-12 or the SC. Good. We're, we're cool. Right. Yeah. We, let's give them their their network. That's what they want. Sure, right. let's, let's stay here. I think this was always a. I think this was always the eventual outcome that Oklahoma and Texas were going to leave. Yeah, because it, financially and pedigree wise, aside from the off year, they're the ones holding this conference together. And I think that they do come as a bundle because, sure, Oklahoma could stay in the Big Twelve, right? Like it it wouldn't. It wouldn't make sense for either to go. Texas could do what it wants, right? I mm-hmm. think Texas will be fine whatever it decides to do. But I don't think it likes propping up everybody else in the Big 12 financially. And I think Oklahoma very much benefits from being a combo package with Texas wherever they go. So here's one thing that I'll push back on okay. is the reason that the Big 12 exists like this mm-hmm. is just 100% because this is what Texas and Oklahoma told it to exist like. Like the, everything that Fair. the Big yes, Twelve yes, has yes, yes, has yes, done yes. has been in the interest of trying to do what makes Texas and Oklahoma happy, right? Right, right? And that's the thing, you know. When Texas goes, if they go to the SEC, right? I, I think that you know, on on another note, right? I think that they're still looking at all options, mm-hmm. right? I think that they'll look at all the other conferences. I think that there's some value in Texas considering going independent. Like I really do sure, think that sure. that they're one of the few programs that I think could do that. Because mm-hmm. um, listen. You go in to SEC meetings with the uh, with the rest of the SEC. Guess what? Like in, at, in, the, in the Big Twelve, right? Like Crystal Conti's the biggest man in the room, and Joe Castiglione is right there with him, and they just tell everybody else what to do, right? Yeah. You go into SEC meetings. Oh yeah, no, you're one of you know yeah. you're you're hopefully the fifth biggest, fourth <laughs> biggest voice in there. Yeah, yeah, and that's a thing. And sure. and listen, I mean. I'm not saying this as a slight, but this is just reality. Like, Texas, all of the decisions they've made over the last 20 years mm-hmm. have been driven by ego, right? Yeah, of wanting to 100%. feel special. And the reason that they stayed in the Big 12 is because the Big 12 made them feel really freaking special. Sure. And now they're just losing. So right? why not go independent? I mean, I think it's certainly a, a conversation that they're going to have. Uh, I mean, I think that certainly... Depends on the result. We'll, we'll know within, like, the next yeah. week or two if that becomes, I think, yeah. that becomes a legitimate reality. Yeah, I, I do think that that's a conversation that they're going to have. Uh, again, they could schedule just fine like a Notre Dame. Now, certainly right. the new playoff structure is going to make things interesting because you can't get it by. Right. Um, but, I mean, listen, no disrespect. I don't think that Texas is winning the SEC and getting a bye anytime soon. Right. Right. And, right. and so... You know, maybe you just decide that's a moot point. You could certainly schedule. You could you could schedule the A and M game. You could schedule the Oklahoma game. You could schedule a bunch of these regional rivals. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't think that would be difficult. Uh, and and you have the backing of the Longhorn Network that kind of gives you that guaranteed flexibility. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and so and they're the only program that has something like that. Other than maybe Notre Dame with NBC, right? Yeah. And so I do think that there's a lot of value in considering it, mm-hmm. right? Um, I, I think that we're still very early on because let's remember, I, like I said. 2025 is the original target date. This is going right. to accelerate it somewhat. Right. But, but like, we're probably talking two or three years. It's not something sure. that, that all of a sudden, you know, when you get to the fall, all of a sudden, hey, that Arkansas <laughs> game is going to become a conference game. Right. right? Yeah. That's not for, how this works. Now, for the sake of us, because mm-hmm. I don't want to get too far down this road, because it will, you know, it is, like you mentioned, it would be a couple years yeah. off. Very quickly, what do you think the Big 12 would do? I'll give you two options. Yeah. Do they go super conference with Pac-12 or, Pac- or Big 10? Or do they just go SMU, Houston, what's up? 
Well, I, I don't think that they're going to have the option to go Super Conference. Mm. I, I don't think that maybe the Pac-12 would consider it, but, like, I think it's— I th- So I, I thought about regionally mm-hmm. the Big Ten just saying, yeah, let's do all of the middle of the U.S. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I thought about that because you have programs like— like Nebraska, who kind yeah. of feel left out of that recruiting foothold oh, that they used sure. to be benefit. I think it has the nice Kansas, uh, mm-hmm. Iowa uh, mm-hmm. bridge there right. too. So I thought about it regionally from that perspective. Pac-12. I mean, they've always been kind of left out to dry, so right. I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to get throw <laughs> the name in there too. But um, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't see them. There's no easy way for the right. Big Twelve for me <laughs> for, well, to fix this if this were to happen. If that were to happen, right? Let's let's just say the Pac-12. Uh, you know, where to try to do that, right? Mm-hmm. That That's sort of the whole deal is that they're not taking eight, right? right they're not right, taking yeah, 100%, eight. yeah. And, and so, you know, they would probably take four right. or something like that, right? And so so that, that kind of gets back to that. I, I think that everybody's kind of just sort of pencil West Virginia into the AC, ACC. We'll see if that happens. Right. I, I don't know. I right. think it makes a lot of sense, but we'll see. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people have penciled Kansas and Iowa State to the Big Ten. I don't know if they want that. Right. I, I don't mm-hmm. – Kansas I get from the basketball side, but – Eh? Yeah, you know, and and Iowa State, like I love Iowa State. I think that they're a remarkable story, but eh, yeah, you know. So like, I I don't think that there are some a lot of schools that have. I mean, that that was the existential thing, right? Is that all, the other eight teams kind of didn't have anywhere else to go, right? And so we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Anyway. <laughs> We are going to continue our series previewing all the teams, uh, all the FBS teams in the state of Texas. This week is AAC week. Uh, listen, maybe maybe in a, a couple of years we'll be able to to wrap in Group all. The the, we'll just, <laughs> you know what? We'll add Baylor, TCU, Texas Tech. It'll be electric. Uh, you know, but for right now, there's only two. <laughs> I, I will say just real quick. Yeah. If I were the Big Twelve, I would. I would be aggressive, and I would say, let's just try to add four of the top group of five teams right now. I thought about mm-hmm. that. I thought about SMU, Cincy, Houston, and UCF. UCF, you could talk Memphis. Memphis, Memphis yeah. There's, yeah. there's options, right? Yeah. I, and, I, and I think that, because listen, that is a conference that is not certainly competitive with those top conferences. Sure. I think that is a conference that is, at least to some extent, competitive with the Pac-12. Sure. And it gives it still positions you as the clear fifth conference, right? Mm-hmm. And, and you kind of take out the AAC's knees at that point, right? And if you're going to have six guaranteed conference championship spots, that, that still leaves you as one of the conferences. And by the way, every time we mention SMU and Houston, a uh, collective uh, a gasp is heard from Waco, Lubbock, and Fort Worth. <laughs> listen, listen, man. You're either going to get them in the new Big 12 that or you're going to get them in the AAC. That so you true. know what? <laughs> Just figure it out. They're like, no, we'll survive out on our own. That is okay. We do not need those programs. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Okay, let's go ahead and move on. So, uh, so yeah, let's start with the Houston Cougars, okay? Yes. So as people know, they, they played a limited schedule last year. Uh, man, they had, what was it? They had like their first four games. Something like that. Ended yeah, up being canceled. Wild. Yeah. It, it was a weird year for them. Um, you know, and this was, a, this was kind of a year that you kind of really wished wouldn't have been an inconsistent year. Year because two of the like Dana Holgerson experiment. If there was one team in the state that we kind of didn't know much about and would have liked to have seen a lot about it, would, it was Houston, right? right? It was probably Houston. I mean, Houston and Rice, coincidentally, the two teams that did not play much at mm-hmm. all, um, especially Rice, but, but especially Houston because of the strategy they pulled, right? In 2019, they basically punted on the season, redshirted all their good guys, and said, mm-hmm. yeah, we'll, be, we'll try to win in 2020. Well, <laughs> what happened happened. Yeah. Um, and obviously you can't predict that, but of course they were setting – I was curious to see – how that strategy would have played out in a normal year. Mm. And I think that with how, I mean, let me see. Yeah, the first three games were postponed, and then their last three games before Memphis were postponed. And I I think they lost another one that they had rescheduled. Yes, yes, the the SMU, sorry. They they rescheduled. They got postponed. They rescheduled. They got postponed. So uh, eventually canceled. So, yeah. Um, Interesting times. Interesting. And it's like, the other thing is, like, you look at the range of opponents. Yeah. Right? Like, Baylor. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like, Baylor wasn't great last year, but I would like to have seen how Houston would have fared against them. Would have SMU, been fun. Tulsa, very good last year. Yeah. I kind of would have liked to see them. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and so they go three and five last year. They mm-hmm. lose their bowl game 28 to 14 against Hawaii, which. Uh, that should never happen, yeah, to right. be quite honest. Uh, you know, their their wins come against Tulane, who was fine, but they lost a lot. Uh, they came against Navy, who, you know, they kind of were on an off year last year in South Florida. So those are three teams that all kind of sucked. So we've done questions, right, for these? Mm-hmm. That leads to my first question. Go for it. Can they beat a good team yet? 
look at that. They are <laughs> yeah. one in twelve. Burning question. One in twelve against teams that eventually make a bowl. One in twelve. That is that twenty nineteen. Their is, wins are against Prairie View, North Texas, UConn, and Tulsa. Mm. Who's yeah. the one? The one was is, it Tulane? See, it was Tulane last mm-hmm. this past year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is it. Can they beat a good team? Yeah. Now, my answer is, I don't know. But also, my answer <laughs> is, I don't think they need to this year. <laughs> that's the thing, right? So, so they play Texas Tech in Week One. Not necessarily a good team, but one that's in a powerful conference. Sure. Uh, they play SMU, who they get at home. They play Memphis, they get at home. Those are the good teams on their schedule. Right. And you do get both of them at home, like mm-hmm. I mentioned. Uh, in even Texas Tech, you get in the city of Houston, even though it's at NRG Stadium. Yes. And and so, yeah, to be able to get to 9-3 and three potentially without having to beat a good team is kind of crazy. Now, my answer is they better. Because <laughs> here's the thing, right? I mean – Dana Holgerson came in. I think he hired a great staff. I think they've done a really good job. I think they've really gotten after it on the recruiting trail. I think they developed at a pretty high level. And I think that year three is when you're going to start to see, okay, that recruiting that came in at the beginning, that's mm. really going to pay off, right? Mm-hmm. That, that's what we, we've we heard behind right. the scenes, right, is that, okay, maybe the roster wasn't as good, you know, 50 through 85 as right. we thought that it was when Major Applewhite was fired. Mm-hmm. And now we're rebuilding that back up, right? And they've done it through high school kids. They've done it through transfers. And and I think that this is kind of the moment where you have to see it. And the other thing that I'll say, too, is you don't get any of those good teams until October 30th when you get SMU. Sure. So you have a lot of time to try to get things together before you have to beat a good team. I, I will say, though, like you said, we haven't seen it. We, we've seen them bum slay, right? So we, we've seen them just do it against teams that really had no business being on the same field with them. Yeah. I think that me and you have kind of – when we saw – Houston Tech week one. Yes. We, I think we, me and you both kind of saw that that is a game that could determine the future of both of these programs. Right. Because whatever the result. Now, if this is, don't get me wrong, if this is like a 38 35, one of these mm-hmm. teams squeaks out a win, they both look really good. Okay. Prob- you know, yeah. you can probably write that off as like, cool. Both these teams are right. probably heading in the right direction. If Tech blows out Houston or if Houston blows out Tech, yeah. some, we're looking at somebody like, are you going to be here? <laughs> Are you going to be here? Now, Holgerson financially has probably more incentive to, that he's uh, indication that he's probably going to be there, but it's going to start to look a little shaky. Yeah. No, no question about it. And it, it's just Houston, you know, they, they kind of said, Dana Holgerson, we're going to give you carte blanche to be able to build the program the way that you want to. Mm-hmm. We're going to let you have time. And again, in 2019, he took the biggest swing I think mm-hmm. we've seen from any, any coach in his first season was saying, we're punting Right. None of these guys are good enough. Right. I'm wait, we're waiting till the future. Right. And you know, unfortunately he couldn't see it pay off. So I don't know how that has impacted what he maybe thought the trajectory was. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I mean, the thing is too, right? He gets a lot of these guys back. Yeah. Right? That that's the other blessing that he got. So everything has kind of worked out in a way for him. You know, where where you were able to, like you said, kind of punt that first year, where you were able to develop to some extent that second year, and now your third year, a lot of that infrastructure is still in place right so the answer is he has to (laughs) right like to feel good about this you have to i'm not saying you have to definitely convincingly win you know one of those games but i I feel like you maybe you do right maybe you do need to to beat a good team right and that's i I mean again you know we'll always go back to the we fire coach for going eight and four they they haven't gotten to eight wins through their first two seasons and like you mentioned i mean one and twelve against the bowl teams that's that's a very discouraging number so that takes me to question number two so Clayton Toon obviously got thrown in by that whole Derek King situation he he has risen to being whatever he is a, a junior or whatever he is mm-hmm. as fast as I can remember any quarterback ever going to being a junior yeah. right because it just it just felt like it happened in the blink of an eye like we, we have the Perry Ellis game where we're like that guy's been there forever right. uh this is the He's already been there this long. Yep. So what is fair to expect from Clayton Toon in 2021? I think, so I don't, that's a good question because I can tell you what I personally expect to see. Sure. <laughs> so actually, no, no, I'll say this. I, I, what, what, I'll say what I, what I think he needs to be. Mm-hmm. I think he needs to be. 
for Houston to reach its its ceilings. I think he probably needs to be in the handful of top ten group of five mm. quarterbacks. I yeah. think he does. Um, now, granted, that's not asking him to light the world on fire, right? He could absolutely throw for twenty eight hundred yards. You know, just don't turn the ball over, right? Something I think I'll throw for more in, for Holgerson, but you know, that's around that, right? I'm not asking him to throw for five thousand. Um, but in order, I, Houston has skill talent, right? I think Houston has skill talent. I think they have a good defense, which is weird for a Daniel Holgerson team. They have a good defense. <laughs> um, and I just – he, I think I need to – I think I need, they need to see a significant step forward because there was a stat that I had last year that showed that he had the, that he had the promise. Let me see. Uh, PFF has uh, – he's coming off a year in which he cracked the top 20 in FBS quarterbacks in clean pocket passing grade. Hmm. Overall posted at 84.7 PFF grade. You know, take whatever you want from that. Um, that's their grading system. But regardless, and led the AAC in big-time throw rate, 6%. Most importantly, he was consistent. Only one of his eight starts fell short of 70 in their single-grade passing system. Which feels crazy right. watching him. That, right. that, it because, did not because feel he, like he was consistent. I was about to say, because like, he feels like a guy who – if he was consistent, would be right. pretty good, and you'd be right. really confident about that. But no, I, I I agree. And again, that goes down to more PFS grading system, and you know, it is subjective as much <laughs> as they want to make it analytical. But right, regardless, I don't disagree that he showed flashes of potentially being a even really good quarterback. I'll start, I'll say sigh of great, but a really good quarterback. I think he could be, and I think maybe next year, twenty twenty two, might be that year. But I think we're gonna have to see a little bit more of it this year from him. Well, and the thing that I'll say, right, I think that he has been thrown into as weird a situation on yes, and off he, the field, he, by he the had, way. Yes, he had a takeover for D.R. Right. King, and then he didn't have spring. Right. Right, so. So he's he's had a really weird situation. Um, and so I think that this is the year where we kind of need to see something because I I think that their skill talent, they, they have guys, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Nathaniel Dell is, is – you know, one of those guys that you can trust, right? right. Jeremy Singleton, a, a guy you feel like you can trust. Bryson Smith, a guy you feel like you can trust. And and I think they really went after it in the transfer portal, too. Seth Green, Jalen Irwin. I mean, uh, Kashawn Carter from Texas Tech. These are guys who have contributed, right? These are somewhat proven commodities. And so you feel like, okay, the depth is in a decent place now. I've, I'm very optimistic about their offensive line with some of the guys that they've got coming in. You, you know, one of the guys that they have coming in is Tank Carter, who was at mm. Texas A&M, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I feel like this uh, – Cody Rusty, another guy from Louisiana Tech, you know, one of our top 50 transfers or 25 transfers, whatever it was. You know, so these are guys who I feel like it should pay off, right? Like yes. the pieces around him – because I feel like the first couple of years he has been thrust into so many terrible situations. I feel like I cannot imagine – like I, I cannot see Clayton Toon on a football field in my mind without him running for his life. Right. And so I, I do think that, you know, this is maybe the year that he gets to – now, now the thing is – it's kind of like the Max Duggan thing, right? Where mm-hmm. you, you feel like, okay, so now he's going to have that. He's going to be able to not run for his life. He's going to be able to stand in the pocket and deliver. But now we have to see if he's good at that. Right. We have to we have to see if that's actually a skill set that he has. Mm-hmm. Coming out of high school, that was a big part of his game, right? He wasn't supposed to be a guy who ran a lot. Uh, you know, so now with that, I am curious, uh, you know, like you said, with a clean pocket, his grades have been very good. He's going to have those clean pockets more consistently now, especially with the schedule. Yeah. Now what? Yeah, and I think that when you look at the history of, of Dana Holgerson's teams, I mean, every single one of them, of the good ones, had an all-conference caliber quarterback, mm-hmm. right? That is li- that's literally what he got his reputation off of. That's literally what got him the job from Oklahoma State to, to West Virginia. And that's been his career. His calling card has been quarterbacks who may not always be the most athletic, right? He worked with Brandon Whedon, he worked with Will Greer, guys that are more statuesque in the pocket. Clayton Toon's more athletic than them, right? I think he can run, or he can absolutely run around more, as he had to a lot of times last year. Um, but yeah, it, and, and I think me and you, the frustration that I think we had, and it might show what Dana Holgerson sees in Clayton Toon, is that you know, because he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a quarterback guy, we were like, why doesn't he just go get somebody off the train? You know, me mm-hmm. and you had those questions. We're like, man, is Clayton Toon really the guy? Why doesn't he just go get somebody off the transfer wire? Right. Recruit a, I mean, he recruited Max Cobb, and he's, she looks like a good prospect, but nobody's gonna, that's going to push him year right. one, right? Um, maybe that is an indication of mm-hmm. what he sees from him in practice. He's like, man, I see this guy ripping through, ripping passes, making, making great throws when he has a clean pocket. And maybe this is just him saying, let's let, don't give up on this guy, right? Mm-hmm. Don't give up on him. There's something there. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that you look around the states, a lot of these guys, 
even guys who are for sure starters, mm -hmm. right? I mean, yeah, they've they've brought in competition. They brought in Chandler Morris at TCU. They brought in Jace Ruder at North Texas. They brought in Josh Adkins uh, to, to compete with Frank Harris down at, uh, at UTSA, right? So, like, I do think you're right. It does say something that they haven't tried to go after it, that mm -hmm. they haven't even even just to say, like, oh, no, we're just adding depth, but kind of actually add a guy, right? Right, and right, so, right. You know, and so I, I do think that that does say something. And, and, yeah, I mean, I do certainly think as well Maddox Cop needs to work out for them mm -hmm. long term, you know, sure. as, as the next guy, not as this guy. But, but yeah, I mean, you know, we'll see what happens. Anyway, Ish, what's your third question? Uh, well, that was it. No, it was uh, – mine was, mine was two-parter. Can they beat a good team, but do they have to? Yeah. So I, I guess I'll to expand on that a little bit. You know, if they come out of this, if come out of this season, and let me go back to their schedule really, mm -hmm. really quick. Mm -hmm. If they come out of their schedule and they lose to Tech right off the yeah. bat, and then they lose SMU, yeah, <laughs> Memphis, and even Tulane, sure, that's still seven wins, right? You know, I was going to say we've got them winning eight in the magazine. Yeah, like yeah. so. So is that? I'll ask this to both of you guys. If if you cut me, you we have them winning eight. Let's say they win seven. Sure. Are you still like, yeah, sure, things look fine. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it, it, it just depends on who those teams are going to be. You know, mm -hmm. that they they beat and who they lose to, and by how much as well. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I I think that, I think that certainly anything less than seven would just be that's going to yeah that'll be a real warning sign. Mm -hmm. Um. Seven's kind of like that that yeah. good spot right there. Yeah. Well, I, I think that the thing too with the uh, with let's say seven, right, is like it has to feel like a setup year. Mm -hmm. It has mm -hmm. to feel mm -hmm. like, oh, well, Clayton too, man, he finished strong. Right. You know, it mm -hmm. has to feel like, oh wow, some of these young receivers, wow, they finished right. strong. They've got to look good. Right. They can't just win by default or yeah you know and and they can't by a miracle they also can't lose a bunch of these guys to the draft next sure, year right because sure, yeah. that's a big part of it too i mean they have uh, again some transfers they have some guys who, who don't have a ton of eligibility left and so you need i, I think that you need to be able to build on it mm -hmm. right i mean because like one guy who we've been kind of waiting for him to have his moment is, is mal bakar right yeah, he came yeah. back for another year and i think that's huge i think that's great i think that's wonderful for this program okay i also need to see uh, you know their backup Chandler Smith mm -hmm. I need to see him do some stuff too yeah. right I need to see these young guys pay up I you know and we'll we'll get to this uh, I think also in a lot of ways when we talk about tech I need to see you told me that you were going to come in flip up the roster and develop I need to see those guys right I need to not feel like all the good players are leaving right and so I, I think that you can or develop elsewhere like Kashawn Carter or something like yeah, that. yeah 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 and so I think that you can feel okay about it. I don't think you'll feel good about it, but I really think that you need to get to eight to really feel comfortable at all. And, and honestly, I do feel like you should be at nine. I do mm -hmm. feel like you should be pushing for 10, if nothing else, because of this schedule, mm -hmm. right? I mean, we're going to, we're about to talk about SMU, right? SMU got the hard side of the schedule. Yeah, Houston yeah. got all the easy teams. And we're still like, yeah, SMU might be okay. Like, yeah. We're still like, we're still like, yeah, yeah. They, they get everybody, but it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just for a second, right? Like yeah. pull up a, pull up SMU's schedule. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. not fun. Uh, no. If, if Houston was playing the schedule, right? Like we're not talking about them like this. Yeah. Mm -mm. You know what they, cause, cause with SMU, they, they're fine until they get to TCU. Obviously, TCU's a, a game they play every year, but they go at Houston, which, you know, that'll be probably a 50-50, maybe 60-40 game at Memphis versus UCF at Cincinnati versus Tulsa to close mm -hmm. the year, right? That sucks. Yeah. I, I wouldn't pick Houston to beat any of those teams. Right. And, uh, you know, maybe Tulsa. I don't know exactly what Tulsa's going to look like uh, next year. But, like, yeah, I mean, you need to take advantage of this. I In, in fact, honestly – Going through that again, man, I, I think you have to get to eight. Because mm -hmm. I don't know who you could lose to on this schedule and sort of not feel terrible. I was about to say, that it gives them no room for mess-ups. Right. Like, it, like as you mentioned, like, you could, if you lose to Navy. Right. Right. Navy's not a good, it's not, Navy's it's not, not good, good right now. Yeah. Right. Um, you lose to UC, USF. Yeah. Right. And it's like, hey, you're looking Real bad. Really, yeah, exactly. So, it's almost like. I mean, SMU had those stumbles last year. Every right. good team, Marshall in the in conference USA, have every team has those stumbles where they're just like, "Oh, what happened there? That's weird." Houston can't. Have well, well and, and let's close with this: which which games could Houston lose and it kind of not be a disaster, right? So Whoa. they could they could lose to Tech. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think they could lose at Tulsa at Tulane. Yes. I think those are tough. Tough early games versus Memphis. Yeah. yeah. Versus Memphis, 
I think, versus SMU. But, like, that's five, right? I don't – at, at South Florida, There's at Temple, you better for... win those games. Yeah. I th- oh, God. I think I'll give them – Yeah. I'll give them ECU. It's, I, I say home. disaster. I say it wouldn't be a disaster if they lost to ECU. Holton Ehlers better throw for 600 yards if you win that game. <laughs> I'll just say it wouldn't be a disaster. Wait, which, by the way, he basically did against SMU. I was about to say, that was, the, that, that was the one where it was like, wait, what's happening to SMU? Yeah. Why are they getting their butts kicked? They, they went by down East? like 45 nothing at yeah. halftime. So it was the that, weirdest That's kind of why, because they ended on such a really good streak. <laughs> right. I want to say Ehlers had like 1,000 yards in like the last yeah. three games or yeah. something like that. So, you know uh, – that's the one where I'll say that wouldn't be a, midi- a disaster because I think uh, SP Plus has them going like five and seven, right? They're a decently whatever oh, team. Yeah, ECU. No, Sorry, I think, Houston. I think my Houston. Houston. No, no, no. Like, wait, what? ECU. Um, five and seven, yeah. so just missing so a bowl. Okay. okay, yeah. So, I'd be okay with them. So I just want to be clear to any Houston fans listening oh that, that we're saying if they don't make a bowl game, yeah. there is no path to them not making a bowl game that isn't a total freaking disaster. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like a total, like, oh my God, we major app whited ourselves all over again, <laughs> right? right? Yep. That's what this would take. Anyway, this is the Republic of Football podcast. Uh, for people who don't know, we have a magazine out right now over at textfootball.com. Make sure to become a subscriber at textfootball.com slash subscribe. Man, you know what was a lot of fun being down there at coaching school was seeing everybody come up and, and really want to get those magazines. We yes. sold a bunch, too. We came with, <laughs> I mean, a couple hundred. Hundreds. And yeah. left with only hundreds? <laughs> a much lower hundred. Right, yeah. right. Uh, yeah. It took a lot uh, less <laughs> to load them back in than it did to yes. unload yes. them. Our, 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 uh, <laughs> to load everything into the van took many, <laughs> like an hour, you know, taking it out of the van and putting everything back in the van took, took one trip. <laughs> Ten minutes. Yeah. yeah. So, and actually, what we heard... Uh, I was not here for this, but listen, I'm fine going off of hearsay because, you know, whatever. Yeah. I'm a bad reporter. Uh, is that uh, apparently Lincoln Riley gave a shout out to us during his yeah, speech. Yeah, I saw that too. He did. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, when a woman came up to our booth when I was working it and she said, yeah, I just got done hearing Lincoln Riley speak and told Kind of gave you all a shout out and said, hey, Dave Campbell's got a magazine. Go get one. Yeah. Yeah. Lincoln, (laughs) join us. (laughs) You're going to be on our podcast? (laughs) You're tangentially related to what we do here. Yeah. Yeah. The pride of Mule Shoe, Texas, y'all. Like, listen. kind of married into (laughs) our podcast. Listen, man. uh, All I'm saying is that if it's good enough for Lincoln Riley... It's good enough for you. I know that much. Yeah. So textfootball.com. Every Texas fan just turned off the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> textfootball.com slash subscribe. You know, I guess we're going to be an SEC magazine heading forward or something. I don't know. Whatever. We'll <laughs> it's fine. When he's coaching the Cowboys in a couple years, he'll just. <laughs> we'll, we'll preview him there, too. Exactly. We'll, we'll make sure and get a great Cowboys preview like we always, always do. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's go ahead and move on to the other side of this. SMU. Yeah. So, SMU last year, uh, they when they talked to me for their, their magazine interview, they talked about, like, yeah, we really just didn't want to do what we hoped to do. You know, we really feel like we underachieved. They went 7-3. and three. Yeah. they mm-hmm. The fact They're that we are sitting it. here and they went 7-3 and three, and they feel like they disappointed, mm-hmm. things have changed, man. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. And it's going to be weird because, like, now, I mean, I want to I kind of actually I want to I want to let you start off this one right now. I want to let you start off these questions and kind of where where we go from here. Yeah, yeah. So, my first question is, Shane Bouchelle's gone. Yes. Who's gonna replace him? So, so first, yes, definitely. Who who do you think's gonna replace him? But also, does that matter? D- does that mm-hmm. d- is, is that something where it's like? Because I'll tell you what, we saw the the uh, the odds, right? I think mm-hmm. we talked about it on our previous podcast. Their odds for over-under were set at 6.5 wins. Mm-hmm. So Vegas certainly thinks, oh, they just had a good quarterback who's gone now, mm-hmm. right. right? So, ish, does it matter? So, no, because mm-hmm. I think their skill talent is fantastic. Crazy. Um, I think probably outside of UCF, you're looking at probably the best collection of skill talent in the AAC. Um, and Cincy, I'll throw Cincy in there as well. Um, well, I, th- I think that their skill talent's better than Cincy uh, on offense. Yeah, I guess you only have Ritter coming back from. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, they've, they've got some fair. good players, fair, but like, fair. No, no. When you're looking, at, yes, receiving core, running yeah. back depth, especially yeah. if McDaniel's healthy now. Um, Rasheed Rice and Reggie Robertson, best wide receiver combo in uh, easily in group of five. You're looking yeah. at nation mm-hmm. overall as well. Um, 
I don't think it uh, – again, unless somebody looks like a, an absolute disaster, which I don't see any of the, either of these quarterbacks mm-hmm. being, whoever they decide no. to go with, I think if you have a C quarterback, yeah, you're okay. Like, I really think you're okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, hell, I'll ask the question, okay? Yeah. With their receivers, I mean, in the states, mm-hmm. including the Power 5 schools, like head-to-head, where do they rank? I think they have a case for the top. They pro- oh god, yeah, cuz I'm I'm look I'm starting to I mean, group of 5, yes. That's easy. I yeah, I was about yeah. to don't don't even question that. I, I mean, I'll I'll tell you what. So they just released the Bolitnikov watch list today. Mm-hmm. And the only other school in Texas that had multiple honorees to the list cuz that's me you did with Rashid Rice, Roger Robertson and also they got some really good players Is coming in. A&M? No. No. Okay. Uh A&M had had Weidermeyer. That was it. Okay. But that's it. Uh Texas Tech because they okay. added Kalen Geiger, the transfer from Troy. Okay. Okay. And so, okay. I, and I do like Tech's receiver room, right? I, I but I would I take would, SMU. I would take SMU's. Yeah. Right. No. But okay. like, I like who Baylor I mean, has. I take SMU. Yeah. I A and M has the talent. They don't yeah. have the production. Well, because uh, they, they they also, I mean, they added Jordan Curley and they added Calvin Wiggins. Like they added two transfer. Uh, no, Calvin Wiggins wasn't a transfer, but uh, Curley was a transfer. Yeah. And Wiggins is another uh, emerging receiver too. And I mean, you already have the best two com the best combo, right? In, right. In one and two. And you add those guys, yeah, no, I, yeah, no, well, and right. it's, and it's the best in the state. And and you throw in just general pass catchers. Uh, let's remember they had a Grant, Grant, Cal- Grant Calcaterra. Calcaterra. I forgot about that. Yeah, it's and, and Simon Gonzalez also from Texas Tech as well. Nolan yeah. Matthews from from Arizona State. They just have, I mean, when I say an embarrassment of riches at that position, I yeah. mean an embarrassment so of riches. So this is why. Roger so Daniels, my, Dylan Goffney. Man. <laughs> so, my, so my question, yeah. that was kind of, you answered, um, uh, it's related to yours, so it's yeah. going to be like a 1A, 1B thing. So I think Tanner Mordecai starts. Yeah. But I wonder if, regard because we've seen this happen a lot more with programs now. Mm-hmm. My question is, Tanner Mordecai is the veteran, yeah. but do they throw it to the wind? And give it to Preston Stone for the sake of the future. So I think, it, just to answer my question real quick, yeah. They feel like they, top to bottom, one to eighty-five, are just another level of talented than they have been each of the past two years. Mm-hmm. Now they had some playmakers on that twenty nineteen team, Xavier Jones being one, uh, Rodney Clemens being one. Like they've had some guys come through this program who are special, mm-hmm. who and some who are playing on Sundays right now. Right, but they feel like, again, you know, I talk about it a lot. That fifty through eighty-five, that they are just on another planet mm-hmm. from where they were early on. And so, the thing is, right? Like, I don't think that they see next year's team as a rebuilding team or a sure. setup team by sure. any means. I think that this quarterback competition is completely open, right? I, I think that. I think that Tanner Mordecai is probably going to win it just because I think that, one, he's a very good player. Sure. He's played college football for many years at this point. So I, I just think he's more ready. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that they – if Preston Stone starts, I don't think that it's them looking to the future. Fair, I, fair. I think that it's them looking to the present and saying Preston Stone is good enough to start right yeah. now. Yeah. Because, I, I mean, you do ha- – they are kind of different quarterbacks too. Like, yes. I think – Yes. Preston Stone is more of the Shane Bichelle mold. Yeah. Um, Tanner Mordecai is a he's not as he's not as uh, mobile. Yeah. Um, I know they ran a lot of action for him in Oklahoma. That was more of hey, we have these pages for Jalen Hurts. We got to call <laughs> something because um, he did not look good running the ball. Um, <laughs> but you know he is more of a uh, and and this is why I kind of lean that they'll start him. Yeah. Is because. He can get the ball to guys. Like, he yeah. just can get the ball to receivers. He, you know, he didn't really – he didn't underthrow anybody, overthrow anybody at Oklahoma. He, right. he was always just nailing – you know, his arm strength is pretty good as well. Like, I, it, I can see him being the guy, like, as they roll out this plethora of talent, right, let's just get a guy who knows how to utilize all of that talent, right? He's not going to set the world on fire, but he's absolutely going to get everybody their shot and get everybody their uh, – all this ready to yeah. go. So. As long as – what is it? Uh, Cy Fair isn't on the other side. Was it the Woodlands? Who, who is it that uh, that he got killed by? In oh, the... uh, Cy Fair. Yeah, yeah Cy yeah, Fair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as long as Cy Fair isn't on the other sideline, he is an incredible quarterback. Right. right? No, but, but seriously, I mean, like you said, I, I think that just heading into next year, right, like I mentioned, they have all the skill talent. You, you've got Reggie Robertson. You mm. can't just – throw away that year sure i mean reggie robertson when he's played over the last two seasons smu is 20 and 0 mm-hmm. 
which is just I, I mean there's there's a lot of context but that's nuts. still crazy sure. that doesn't happen right and so I'll tell you what is in context when you have a really good player you win games like <laughs> man and and like he's just a crazy player man he nearly got 500 receiving yards in four games right so, uh, before he got hurt yeah and and he got hurt at halftime of the fourth game by the way he was mm-hmm. going the f off man right he, he was going crazy in that game and now you have him back and like we mentioned all these other guys who they have coming in i mean it's i i just and then i, I do want to talk about the defense right i do think defensively i mean they've got mike williams coming back on the defensive line they've got richard moore is supposed to be back uh, at linebacker they have added some other transfer guys you know jahari rogers was a guy who certainly they wouldn't have been in the conversation with out of high school mm-hmm. uh, isaac slade matuatia you know he was somebody who who was the leading tackler at oregon just last year i, I mean this is not a program, and this is not a recruiting class mm-hmm. that says, hey, let's wait a second. Right. You know, this is this is a year where they can do it. And, and I think that the other thing, too, is you have to look around the AAC, right? Cincinnati is a monster, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's going to be one of the games of the year, I think, the American Athletic Conference is SMU at Cincinnati on November 20th. And so, you know, but, but okay, Cincinnati, you get Tulsa at home, you get UCF at home, you go to Memphis, but, you know, what is Memphis this year? We'll have to kind of wait and see. Uh, they're they're going to be – you know who the starter over there is now? From Memphis? Yeah. Who is it? Grant Gannell. Oh, that's right. He yeah. did leave Arizona. Yeah. Wow. That is yeah, – Weird name. stuff. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, so so Memphis, we kind of don't know what they're going to be. I think that there's a chance that, that SMU could just be better than them, right? Mm-hmm. Especially by the time that you get to November 6th. Sure. So, you know, you get Memphis on the road. Maybe you beat them. You get UCF at home. This is Gus Malzahn's first year. You know, maybe there's some growing pains at Cincinnati. You know, <laughs> we'll see what happens. Right. Uh, and then and then you get Tulsa at home, and they're, you know, they're doing some rebuilding too. So, like – there, there isn't a game on the schedule. Even, even you look at FTC, right? There isn't a game on the schedule that isn't theoretically winnable. Sure, sure. You know, and so certainly, I, I think that if I had to pick, you know, I'm probably guessing that they'll be around eight or nine, just because the schedule's tough. Yeah. But like, yeah, man, if you're if you're Sunny Dykes, you are not wasting years oh, because not. because every team that you've had for the last now you know going on three years has been that level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. All right. Yeah, let's let's close it out. One more question. So, defensively, Ooh. they bring in Jim Levitt, somebody who has been a head coach uh, at a school that's now obviously in the American Athletic Conference at South Florida. Um, you know, was the defensive coordinator when Colorado had their real breakout season under Mac, Mac, Mike McIntyre. That always gets me, <laughs> Mike McIntyre. Yeah. And uh, and you know, so he's got a lot of production coming back. I, I mean. What do you think the defense needs to show versus what they've done in the past for them to take that step? Ooh, this goes back to – so I had another question written down that this goes back to. Yeah. Is the recruiting strategy working? What I mean by that is yeah. – and this is what goes into the question about defense. Mm-hmm. Depth. Yeah. Is the recruiting – because this isn't the year where we're going to see – you know, they've, been, they've made this whole recruiting strategy about – you know, roping off DFW, essentially, right? Yes. This isn't the year where they're taking over necessarily, Mm -hmm. right? They still got a lot of the all-stars, a lot of the names we've known um, around here uh, starting. But too deep? Well, I'll I'll take you through the too deep, man. Like Junior Ajo on the defensive line, somebody that they're really optimistic about. He was, I believe, a redshirt freshman last year. Mm -hmm. You know, he showed up in a big way on the defensive line. Cam Jones, somebody who's a backup right now, Mm -hmm. former blue chip player who I believe was at Nebraska, right? Roderick Robertson, another guy uh, I believe who's from the Metroplex, who mm-hmm. uh, you know at safety. Sam Westfall, a yeah. junior college transfer who uh, who kind of came in and uh, and was expected to compete for the starting corner job and just got beat out because they have some really good players. And then you start mentioning the guys like Jahari Rogers, right? You start mentioning, uh, you know, Richard Moore is going to be back, right? Mm-hmm. So like you have, I do feel very confident that one that their recruiting strategies work now yeah sure i, I did forget to to yes to specify i do too yes but this is the year where we really start to see it because yeah. you know like jahari rogers mallory's guy uh, <laughs> uh, uh arlington colt over there um <laughs> yes he comes in as a highly tatted recruit he's not yes. gonna be asked to be the number one or two right no. away but he's gonna be in some nickel right, right? He's, we're gonna see him on the field like this is when you start to see okay third fourth quarter now here are the guys that you have brought right. in right to cover 
and make sure this team and take this team to the next level. And then next year we'll see them, you know, get up to those starting uh, positions. But this is the first year that they're really starting to see that 2019 class mm-hmm. really come into the two deep. Yeah, and the thing that I'll say too, especially on the defensive side of the ball, is I think that they've done a very good job of adding transfers with years left. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, like I mentioned, to Cam Jones, right? Cam Jones is right now a second on the two deep. He was somebody who was a blue chip prospect. Uh, Chevin Calloway, another one of those guys, right? Uh, I think he was at Arkansas before, and he was he was a blue chip recruit coming out of high school who everybody in the state wanted. Right. He is he is listed as the starter right now, but you know it'll be a competition. Chase Cromartie, another one of those guys, right? So like. These are guys who came in, did not play right away, mm-hmm. you know, and, and actually I'll even point to, uh, you know, I'll even point to in some cases, uh, I'm trying to think which, which school did this. There, there's a couple of, uh, of schools that have kind of basically, you know, if they didn't do well, uh, USC was the one that I'm thinking yes, of, right? Yes, yes. 2019, they have a bad recruiting class and then they end up, 2019, 2019, one of the two, and then they end up adding all these second year transfers who have three or four years of eligibility left, and they kind of basically fill in the gaps of that recruiting class. Mm -hmm. And I think that SMU has done that very effectively as well, where they're adding, especially on defense, I feel like more than any other position, they're adding guys with two or three or four years left. On top of it, I think that they have done a very good job for sure, you know, actually recruiting high school kids as well. Now, Now, certainly, yes, we can all admit that, the, the draw for a kid to play offense at SMU is just a different animal than, than getting kids who want to play defense at, at SMU. But I still think that, like you said, we're, we're going to start seeing some of these guys have a chance to step up. And, and again, a guy like Sam Westfall, I, I believe he was only a one or maybe one in a redshirt year JUCO player, mm-hmm. right? So this is like his third year in the program, even though he was a 2019 JUCO recruit, right? And so I feel like we've seen enough to feel good that they have been cognizant yeah. of how they're balancing their roster. Because that's that's one thing I I feel like I, I've tried to press Matt Wells on, right, mm-hmm. is are you being cognizant of, hey, man, you know, you're adding these upperclassmen. You want to be an old team. That's, sure, sure, that's a sure. big part of it. But you also don't want to be – You don't uh, want to be unbalanced. I was about to say, you don't want – next year you're just like, oh, what happened there? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I think that SMU has done a really good job of trying to manage that, uh, you know, say, same like, you know, we talked about, uh, we talked to Jake Spavital, obviously, mm-hmm. this week, right? He's been very cognizant of, okay, listen, we don't want to be 90% underclassmen. Right. W- when we add guys, we want them to maybe be a junior or a senior with some sophomore. You, you know, you want to balance it, right? You have to mm-hmm. be cognizant. Because here's what happens, right? You can only have 25 players a year, which is a whole other conversation that's worth having. But, you know, you can only have 25 guys a year. And so if all of a sudden you lose a, a, a senior class of, 38 mm-hmm. well that's bad right <laughs> then you're in a bad spot right. and and so i do think that smu has probably become the masters honestly of finding ways to both balance transfers and balance their eligibility chart so that they're not overloaded in one or two classes so that's the thing right i, I feel talent wise on defense they're in a very good spot relative to where they've been now again jim levitt comes in he's gonna have a different philosophy than kevin kane did uh, kevin kane was a very aggressive defensive coordinator and last mm-hmm. year because of their defensive line depth you know that kind of cost them at times but uh, but i think that this is potentially a time where uh, where this is really gonna pay off for sure so SMU, I think a team that we're both very optimistic about. And Houston as well. I mean, they're, they're going to be right there, I think, in the conversation. And schedule certainly is going to play a part of it, but you play the games. I was about to say, is, yeah, what are they going to do? They can't schedule somebody who's not there. Like, <laughs> beat them and you win seven, eight games. Congratulations. Like, can't take that away from you. <laughs> if you had to pick right now, let's, let's close with this, okay? okay? SMU at Houston. Who are you taking? Oh, come on. I think it's SMU. <laughs> are you taking Houston? Yeah. I'm taking SMU. Okay. I'm taking SMU. I, Houston has upside. Yeah, I, sure, I, sure, sure, sure. No, we, I remember there was some – every time we had questions, uh, I think two years ago when they played. Yeah. Uh, and it was like, ah, I don't know, is it? Yeah. And then it was like, oh, never mind. Like, it was just, it's just well, like – no, so two years ago was the one in Houston that went right down to the wire. Remember? Yeah, well, that's what I kind of expected. It yeah. was like, oh, look, SMU is going to yeah. run them through. And then it was like, oh, they didn't. Yeah, never mind. Like It's a rivalry game, Exactly. Man. So, like, I, Houston does have the na- – they got players. They always yeah. have athletes. They always can recruit. If you go to Houston, you can play football, right? Yes. And so it's always just about making making sure you're maximizing that talent, that expectation, as opposed to, you know, Houston's never going to fall off a cliff, right? They're right. never going to be, oh, they went 1-10 this year. That's not happening, right? Yeah. They're, it's always about balancing their expectation and their rightful expectation. They should always expect to be good. Definitely. Definitely. Well, 
thanks everybody for joining us. I know that this was a wild podcast. Uh, I, I know that. <laughs> I'm sure we'll have no, uh, no more like this ever again. Right? <laughs> Well, listen, I, I got to give a, a shout out to Mallory. Mallory was like, hey, we're kind of busy. You know, yesterday when I was like, let's go do the podcast. She's like, yeah, you know, we're all kind of busy. We're all kind of tired. We're all kind of not our best versions right now. Why don't yeah. we wait until tomorrow <laughs> to record? And, and imagine like, like 30 minutes later, like the world <laughs> dropped. And you're like, you know what? Great call. Yeah. <laughs> we would have been in the middle of it. Like I actually the, can tell the future. So yeah, I was exactly. Well, you couldn't give me you couldn't give me the scoop. Come on now. <laughs> you had to let Brent Z go and beat us out for it. We would have been talking about Clayton, too. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> all of a sudden, <laughs> Texas and Oklahoma are leaving. <laughs> Listen, man, let's break down some Hebron game film. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, oh, the Big 12 doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> but this was a lot of fun. And we'll, we'll be right here talking about this, writing about this uh, all the way through until Texas and Oklahoma figure out where the heck they're going to go whenever uh, Texas, you know, Texas Tech, Baylor, TCU, whenever they figure out what the heck's going to happen. Uh, and when it is a, uh, an expanded AAC, we'll be here to have your expanded AAC podcast. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> we got you. We're not going anywhere. <laughs> We're not going anywhere. Anyway. Rachel Johnson for Mallory Hartley. I'm Shahan Jayaraja. Like I mentioned, you can find all our work at textfootball.com. You can find us on Facebook, Dave, Dave Campbell Sexist Football. You can find us on Twitter at DCTFCFB. Become a subscriber. Get our magazine at textfootball.com slash subscribe. Thanks again to our sponsor, North Texas Honda Dealers, for also getting us safely to and from coaching school, by the way. <laughs> yes. I, I'm a proud Honda consumer myself. <laughs> uh, thanks so much, everybody, for joining us, and we will talk to you guys again next week.